Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. We want to take a moment and greet everybody that's here. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We want to welcome everybody that's joining us online. We are glad for you and we appreciate you. We also want to release all the youth today. So high school, junior high, uh, you're free to go with Alex out into the youth room and you guys will have your service there. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I want to just uh, reiterate a couple uh, announcements and just kind of emphasize them. First of all, I just want to uh, remind all the men about tonight's Momentum Night. Uh, we want you to come out. This is kind of an informal time of building relationship and fellowship. Uh, not a lot. There's, in other words, it's not this grand uh, plan. Uh, we're just getting together because men need to build relationship. Can you say amen? You know what? We Women do really good at that. How many know what I'm talking about? You women seem to just gravitate towards one another, and you, you kind of go together everywhere. Men, we don't do that so well, and so we have to be a little more deliberate, and so we want to set uh, an opportunity for you to come together and just to get to know some guys that you may not know, uh, fellowship with them, uh, and, and just uh, build relationship with them. So that'll be at five in the youth room. And then also just want to real quick encourage everybody that if you're looking for a really good Bible study, uh, Johanna's class on Psalm 119 is going to be a good one. That's going to be on Sunday at nine o'clock in room five starting March 19th. So I believe March 19th is next week. So you could sign up for that in the uh, foyer. And then also I just want to remind everyone about Love on Kingman a new ministry that we have started. Uh, this is a ministry to Kingman, amen. And so what we're doing in that ministry, as we've said before, we're identifying certain people groups and, and areas of our community that are in need. And then we are, and there's our, our uh, it went there, but it's not on here. I'm seeing, uh, where is it? We got a new slide for it. Anyway, it's not, th there it is, there we go. Uh, so we got that, and uh, uh, you can click on that QR code. You can also go to our website now. We've got that on the website uh, in the core ministry, and you can just look it up. It's right there. It'll take you to the page, explain. There's a list of uh, things, of needs, of, of veterans right now. We're focusing on veterans in our community. And, and we also want to just say thank you. We've had lots of donations so far. We appreciate that. Remember, if you want to donate, uh, you need to make sure that that stuff is in really, really good condition and that we can, uh, it can be uh, utilized uh, in that way. So mark that down and just uh, you could go to the website and see more about that. Also, um, that's it. That's the announcements that I wanted to make sure. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians. And you go, uh-oh, yep, we're going on a detour. <laughs> Amen. So this morning, we are going to continue on with our series, Living in Righteousness. We're not deviating from that. I told you last week that I was going to be starting Romans 7, because we're going Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Um, but I was in prayer on Monday last week, and in my time of prayer and reading and all of that, I came across a, a passage of Scripture that really just stood out to me, began to speak to me, and God said, that's what you're preaching on next Sunday. And I went, oh, okay, uh, you're in charge, and uh, I'll do what you say. And so we're going on a little bit of a detour today. The subject is not going to change, but what we're really going to do today uh, in this message is we're going to deepen what we've already learned. Um, I, I, let me just say this to you. This is critical, folks. This is absolutely critical uh, for our growth uh, that we completely understand our position in righteousness. Now, listen to what I'm saying. We, we really got to deepen our understanding. And what we talked about, because Romans 6 spends a lot of time, the bulk of that uh, passage, the bulk of that chapter talks to us about uh, the death and resurrection and then how that affects us, that we in fact have died to sin, 
that we were dead in sin, but now the power of sin has been broken in our lives. We're dead to sin, and we're alive to God. We've been baptized, or, or we could say it this way, we've been immersed in the life of Christ. Can you say amen? And the life that we now live, Paul says in Galatians chapter 2.20, he says, I don't li-, he says I'm dead, I've, I've been crucified, but the life that I now live, I live by faith in Christ, that it is actually Christ living in me and through me. And that is the condition of the Christian. Can you say amen? Amen. That's who we are. That's what God has called us to be. But if we're going to learn to live in that position of righteousness, then we have to understand this a little bit deeper. And so what I want to do is I I, I want to present to you, because Colossians chapter 3 presents a, a vivid picture of what Paul is talking about and what he has been teaching us in Romans. See, Paul's purpose this morning goes beyond just helping us understand our position in Christ. It's, it's one thing to understand it. It's another thing to live it. Can you say amen? And listen, church, that, that's what we have got to understand. See, God wants us to understand how this new position impacts our daily life. Let me say this to you this morning. If, if your Christianity does not Im- impact your daily living, then what you have is not Christianity. Okay. Amen. And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm trying to say, look it, what we can't afford is a copycat. We can't afford, you know, uh, uh, something that's false or fake. Just because it looks like it and, you know, kind of has all the, you know, bells and whistles, is it impacting? Is it changing my life? Is it moving on me? Is it making a difference in my life? So what Paul does is he spends some time with the Colossians and he teaches them how this is to impact their life and how it changes them. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, it'll be on the screen. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and we're going to be reading through verse 10 in the New Living Translation. And the Bible says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, and let me just stop right there. That's what caught my attention on Monday. Because here is Paul using the same words. He says, since you have been raised. In other words, we heard in in Romans 6 that we have been raised. We have been lifted up. We have been brought up to him and in him. And he says, since you have been raised. In other words, you were dead. You were dead. But now you've been raised up. It's a, it's a, a form of resurrection. You, you, in salvation, you encountered resurrection power. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Can you say amen? And when we come into him through salvation, we experience that resurrection power. And we are raised from death to newness of life in Christ. He says, since that's happened... Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So... Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Stop right there for a moment. It's possible to have the position of righteousness in salvation and still have sinful things lurking in you that you have to put to death. Okay. Now look at We are righteous. Amen. We no longer have a sin nature We are partakers of the divine nature. But sometimes we got some little things running around that we got to deal with. Amen. He says, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. 
You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. And dirty language. And dirty language. And dirty language. And dirty... I'm not stuck. You say, why are you focusing on that? Because I'm saying it for me. Dirty language. You got to get rid of it. So easy to slip into that stuff, isn't it? So easy. But what does he say? Stop. That's not who you are. That's not how you're supposed to talk. Don't lie to each other. No way. Would we lie to one another? No. You're lying. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. Teasing. Don't lie to one another, each other. For Listen, for you have stripped off your old sin nature and all its wicked deeds. That sin nature got stripped off. Stripped off. So now he says, and I'm going to read between the lines, don't run around naked, put on your new nature. That was that part about running around naked, that was me adding. It makes sense. If you don't have the old nature on, if that was the old clothing that's stripped off and you haven't put on the new... Anyway, anyway, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Now listen, this is where it all begins. Now, I, do not, I don't want that statement to take anything away from salvation. Listen to what I'm saying. We are saved. If you have come to Christ by grace, through faith, you are saved. Free of charge. You cannot work for it. You cannot labor for it. You cannot win it. You can only receive it. That grace has been given to you. It's completely free. There's, and that's not what I'm talking about. So when I say it starts here, what I'm talking about is this new life, the practice of this new life starts right here in this passage of Scripture. See, the transformation that we so desire, going from a life that is filled with questions with no answers, problems with no solutions, chaos with no peace, torment with no freedom, and hurt with no healing, to a life that is filled with love, joy, peace, strength, hope, victory, all those things begins in this passage. See, in Colossians 3, Paul is eager for us to understand the correlation between the physical death and resurrection of Jesus, in other words, what happened on the cross, and the spiritual realities that we experience at those who believe in Him. That's what he's wanting. He's eager for us to understand what happened on the cross and how that is to affect us in our daily life. Can you say amen? See, when we come to Jesus in faith, our old nature, our old self, according to Romans 6, is put to death. And just as Jesus died, we died. And in the same way Jesus rose from the dead, we are raised up with him. Through faith, we died. And through faith, we are raised up into this new life. Can you say amen? Simply put this morning, Jesus, through the resurrection, was victorious over Satan. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Listen to what Colossians 2.15 says. It says, and having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, that scripture is kind of a word picture. It's, it, it, in, in, for, for the first century person reading this, they would understand the imagery that's here. Because back in the day when a conquering king would go in and conquer a land, often what they would do is they would capture the king, and before they would kill that king, they would take him and the spoil of the land, and they would do a parade at home. And they would take that king bound 
between, in chains between poles, and they would make an open display showing his loss. That's the picture. That's exactly what Jesus did to the devil. He won. He invaded his kingdom, and he took back what was stolen, and he came and he overcame the devil. He overcame death, hell, and the grave. He went into hell and he got the keys and he came back and he disarmed the powers and principalities and he made a public display and that which was taken away from us, that which the devil had stolen from us, he has restored it to us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So when we enter into salvation grace, we are brought into that victory with Jesus, and we are set free from the death grip of sin in our lives. Therefore, therefore, those who have a new position in Christ because of salvation should have a new focus in life. Are you hearing me? Colossians, our text, verses 1 and 2 in chapter 3, says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. That right there, church, if you will get that, that those two verses of Scripture, if you will get that and apply it and use it in your daily life, changes everything. Changes everything. See, why? Because our position in Christ It should change our perspectives and our thoughts, shouldn't it? Our perspective, the way our perceptions, how we see life, it should change how we see and how we think. Our, Our position in Christ should change our affections and our desires. And our position in Christ should change what we believe and what we receive in this life. And church, that's how transformation is accomplished in our lives. Let me just say this before I go on. If there's anything that is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If there's any, anything that is discouraging, I, I, w- I would sh- should say, that I see in the church, is I see lots of busyness, lots of stuff going on with very little transformation. That ought not to be. We need to be transformed. You know, when, when uh, many people now have gone and seen the movie Jesus Revolution, and we look at revivals like that, one of the marks of those revivals is it wasn't just people flooding into a building somewhere. That's not revival. Even what's going on right now in, in the Asbury College, what's happening there, You know, it's not just people going and showing up to a church service and spending time worshiping God. That, you know, that's good. That's a great thing, but that's not revival. What revival is and what's happening is these people in Asbury, they're leaving changed. That's revival. The reason we look at it and go, something's happening is because something's happening. There's transformation. When these people got saved, they walked away different. Amen. And you might even walk away with a limp, but you're different. (laughs) But things have changed. Things have transformed. And so when we look at that and we look at the process of that, we talk about, well, how does this happen? Well, no doubt that God is in charge and no doubt His supernatural uh, uh, movings and influence and, 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 and interaction in our life brings that about. But we are a part of that equation, church. Because in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't, don't mold yourself into that shape, but be transformed. Allow a metamorphosis to take place by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In the Amplified Bible, it puts it this way. Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually. Underline that if you're taking notes. By the renewing of your mind, focus on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove 
for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. See, the goal of Scripture this morning is not merely getting information to us, but it is that we would be transformed by it. Are you hearing me? In other words, it's not enough to learn the truth. We must also love the truth and live in the truth. Are you hearing me? And so he says, do not be conformed to this world. Remember, we're talking in light of our text, verses 1 and 2, thinking about heavenly things, thinking about Jesus on the throne, thinking about what's in heaven, not what's on the earth. And he says, don't be conformed to this world. That phrase could be uh, uh, rephrased this way. Don't be squeezed into the mold of this world. What do you mean by the world? I mean, it's referring to the world system that's all around us. It's the world think, it's the world, it's the way the world thinks. It's what the world values. It's the world's agenda. It's, it's the world's perspective, its mindset. It's also the mindset and the attitudes and the perspectives and the values and the agenda of the old nature. And Paul says, don't be conformed to those things anymore. Don't be squeezed into their way. Amen. Now, for some today that are in this room that have just recently given their life to Christ, that's probably a lot more obvious to you than those that have been maybe saved for a long time. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Because... Those that have just recently gotten saved, some of that stuff is still so fresh. You know, it's the, it's the mindset of, you know what, um, I just got to look out for me because no one else is going to. So I'm number one. It's going to be my way or no way. And so we become selfish or, or we think that somehow we've got to gain position or notoriety or title or, or whatever in order to feel good about ourselves. We, we often think that we have to have the approval of certain people or that we can't really be full or fulfilled. And so what we do is we bring compromise into our lives, thinking that if they like me, then I'll feel better about me. But we do and we do and we do, and we never feel better. Sometimes we even go so far as to think that, you know what, if I, if I just let go of all this religious stuff and, and just live, you know, just, you know, because TV paints the picture so wonderfully, doesn't it? So we watch those shows and people that are they're having illicit relationships and they're drinking and they're using drugs and they're doing this and they're just, you know, hedonistic, filled with the world and it looks so fun. And for a season it is. Until you get to the core of what you're eating. And when you get to the core of what you're eating, you realize that it's death and decay. And see, for you that have recently gotten saved, that's probably a lot easier to see. But for those of us that have been saved a long time, sometimes it's hard for us to, to see that we're still hanging on to some worldly things. You say, what is that? You know, well, in my case, I'll just, I'll just make myself vulnerable here. In my case, I, I tend to hang on to things like low self-esteem and, and regret let me tell you what regret does. Regret will do nothing for you. In fact, it will steal everything from you. Because what regret does is makes you lament the past. It robs you of the joy of the present, and it steals the hope of the future. And so what happens is we look back and go, oh, don't you remember back in the day? And you know, even Christians can do this. Well, I remember when the church and the glorious hymns and all of that. Well, listen, it's changed. We don't do that. We do this. And let's move on. Can you say amen? I re you know what? The reality is I remember a day when there were no computers. I remember a day when you had to use a phone and you had to take your big old finger and dial it like this. I remember a day. I don't have it with me. It's sitting on the chair over there. I remember a day when you didn't have a computer called a phone in your hand. Amen. Things have changed a little bit. But we hang on, don't we? I told the story years ago, and I'll tell it again, about how willing we are to hang on. A little girl is watching her mother cook a pot roast. 
And so her mother gets out the pot roast and she sets it on a cutting board and she cuts that end off and that end off. She seasons it, does it all, puts it in the pan, puts it in the oven. They bake. And she, she, she's doing this. She asks her mom, says, why do you cut the ends off the pot roast? And she says, I, I don't know. She goes, that's how I was taught. I don't know why. She goes, you need to ask Grandma. So a week goes by, and she's there with Grandma, and she says, Grandma, I watched my mom cook a pot roast, and she cut the ends off. Why? And Grandma goes, I, I don't know. I don't know. You might have to ask your great-grandma. She goes to great-grandma and says, why, you know, when you cook a pot roast, why do you cut the ends off? And great-grandma says, we had a pan that was too small, so I had to make the meat smaller. But now we're hanging on to it as, this is how you cook a pot roast. You have to cut the... And it's like, wow, what in the world? Why are we hanging on to such things? That's benign and silly, and I know that, but it becomes something else when we hang on to tradition and religion, when we hang on to things that aren't true, because somewhere, somebody told us. But what did the Word say? I I have no idea what the Word says, but Pastor so-and-so said. Well, what does Pastor so-and-so know? (laughs) you better check me you better go back and check me I'm checking you preacher good I've had people come up and go oh you know what I take every verse you get and I take home check it thank God hallelujah and they're saying it out of spite it's like you know I don't trust you you shouldn't you don't don't but you preach so good yeah I'm, I'm good at it but check me learn Anyway, that's a whole nother sermon. But what he's saying is he says you hang on to things. And so, so I'll make this point clearer later. Then he says, but <laughs> this 1030 service, I really get off track. I don't know. It's you people. You do it. You people get me off. The, the 830 service, it's a lot. Anyway. Then he says to us, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform means to be radically changed from the inside out. Changed to be like Jesus. To think like him, to see like him, to feel like him, and to act like him. So the question is, how are we going to be transformed? Simple, by the renewing of your mind. See, our emotions, let me, let me say this to you, our emotions can fluctuate. How many have ever lived a day or two, a week, a month, a year, whatever, on the emotional roller coaster? I mean, emotions, I mean, my emotions can change in an hour five different times. I could be up and then down and up and down and all around. I mean, I can go, I can, my emotions fluctuate. My feelings can lie to me. And my thoughts can betray me. Because listen, listen, this is important. Not everything you feel or think originates from you. That's what you have to understand. See, there's a a thing inside me that I'm trying to get a hold of. I noticed in my conversation with people, I make this statement. I'll say, well, I feel... I feel, I feel. But the problem is, feelings change. I can feel in the morning like I want to have a hamburger for lunch. But by the time lunch rolls around, it feels like a pizza day. Now, I say that in jest, we laugh at that. But the problem is, is feelings. I can feel, I can, I can come into church and be absolutely weighed down, burdened. I know everybody's, ah, oh. I can feel that. I can be burdened. Hell can be running against me. And I can have one person walk up to me and go, you know what, pastor, you've made my life. You've made my day. You helped me with your sermon. And all of a sudden, I feel great. Yeah. Then I can have one person come up and go, well, you'll, you'll get preaching here pretty quick. <laughs> and go, All of a sudden, those feelings, I can go from back and forth and up and down just with a comment, with a look. I can have somebody look at me and go, what are they? They don't like me. 
What? Do, do I smell? <laughs> Kathy, I need stronger cologne. This stuff ain't sticking around. Look at I'm rejecting these people. We could get into comparison and we could get this and we get that. We can even get to a point where we don't even believe God's for us. Is that, how is that? I, I've struggled with that. Wrestled, is he really for me? Why is he showing up at every other church and not this one? Why is he doing this and why is he doing that? And it's all a lie. It is all the devil working to lie. And he's sowing a thought that is not my own. He's making me feel, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. Now, this is a powerful portion of Scripture to truly understand. See, because what he is telling us is he's telling us not every thought is your own. Are you hearing me? Not every thought is your own. But listen, your belief system cannot be denied. Your emotions will lie, your feelings will lie, your thoughts will lie, but your belief cannot be denied. And the reason is, is our belief system is at the center of our thought life. Every thought, whether it is ours or not, goes through the filter of what we believe. See, because the mind is at the center of the driving force of our Christian lives. Proverbs puts it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's why Paul spends this time saying, the renewing of your mind means that you must discipline or train your mind to have God's thoughts and God's beliefs. See, the problem is, is we, we many times misunderstand the difference between discipline and punishment. And, I, and I'll go on a little bit of a bunny trail for parents in this place. Okay, we, we often say, well, I got to discipline my kids. You know, he, he got a spanking. I was disciplining him. Or, or, you know, I took his phone away. He's disciplined. Or I gave him a timeout or sent him to his room. That's discipline. That's not discipline. That's punishment. That's consequences for actions. And in parenting, there are both logical and natural consequences. A logical consequence is this. Clean your room or you're going to be grounded for a night. That's a logical consequence. A natural consequence is get your bike and bring it into the garage. Next day he doesn't and his bike is stolen. That's a natural consequence. So we work with both natural and logical consequences. That's called punishment. But the Bible tells us train up a child in the way he should go and he will not soon depart from it or when he's older he will not depart from it. And the reality is that word train means discipline. Discipline is training. When you discipline your mind, you train your mind. You train your mind. You train yourself to think. See, we used to think like slaves. That was the problem with the children of Israel. They come out of Egypt, and the reason they're complaining at every turn is because under slavery, even though the provision was meager, they never had to worry about the provision. So now they're out on their own, they're free, and God has done these great miracles, but they are convinced in their mind because they have not changed their mind, they have not changed their thinking, so they think like slaves, you brought us out here to kill us because there's not enough graves in Egypt. That's what's happening. For us, in modern day language, we think like orphans. Never is there going to be enough. More is never enough. I've got to protect what I have. I've got to guard it. God says, give it away. Give it all away. Amen. No way. Can't do that. No. We get in arguments. I'm, I'm going to get really controversial, okay? Can I do this? I didn't, I didn't in first service, but I'm going to do here. We get in arguments over the tithe. Is the tithe biblical? Is it New Testament or Old Testament? Is it curse-based or is it blessing-based? Is it the tithe? What is it? Should we give to the church them nasty preachers just getting rich? And we argue over it. God says this. Let's just listen to what God says. 
God says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10, honor me with all your possessions and the first fruits of your increase, and then your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Has nothing to do with tithe. Didn't you notice he didn't even say tithe in it? What he said is honor me. Then we go back into the New Testament, and here's this little widow woman going to the treasury of the temple and giving into a very corrupt system. Everything she has, and Jesus is watching it, and He gives her an everlasting blessing. He didn't look at her and go, take those two pence out and go give it to the church down the road. He said, put it there, and I'll bless you, and I will deal with them later. Because it's the heart, the mind has been changed. I'm giving it away. I give. Why? Because God says, give and it shall be given to you, blessed down, shaken together, and running over. I change my mind. I think differently. I'm not a failure. Why? Because I'm not done yet. My race is not over. I might be in last place, but how many have seen people in last place come in first? Look at the reality is the race ain't done. The only way you can fail is to quit the race. I'm I'm lost. Hang on. We need to discipline our mind. We need to have God's thoughts and God's beliefs. See, our convictions must be rooted and grounded in Scripture. Our belief system must be firmly established in the Word of God. And we must have eternal perspectives so that we can see and access the life He wants to give us. Church, I say that, and, and, and it's so easy. But look at when I say this to you, we have got to take, we've got to take Scripture serious. We've got to take, we, and, and you know, I know I've done it. I've said to people, well, you know, just, it's not really the quantity, it's the quality. Well, well I'm going to kick that out. That's no longer... Now, you, 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 imagine, imagine, you're sitting at, I, I invite you over to my house for dinner. I say, yeah, come on over, I'm going to make spaghetti. And I make, I really do, I have an aunt that married into an Italian family, and she learned from her mother-in-law, and her last name was Provenzano, so you just know it's really good. She learned how to make, she learned how to make Italian uh, uh, spaghetti sauce. So she taught me. And I make really good spaghetti sauce. So I'm going to have you over for dinner for spaghetti sauce. Now, um, okay, Shannon. (laughs) So, So I have you over, and imagine I sit you down at the table, I put this giant plate in front of you, and I get one spaghetti noodle and a couple drops of spaghetti sauce, and I look at you and I say, Pat, it's not the quantity, it's the quality. It'll be the best two drops of spaghetti sauce you'll ever have and the best noodle you'll ever have. You'll probably look at me and go, something's, something's up. Something's wrong with this picture. But see, that's what we do is we take the Scripture and we take it in drips and drabs and we pull out our little daily bread Scripture and we read it and we go, I've read the Bible. No, we have not. Now, Don't want to make anybody mad. What we have to do, because one scripture can feed you for a long time, one verse. But you have, to, you have to take that verse in prayer and in meditation. The thing is, what we're doing is marking time. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah! Done with Bible reading today. <clears throat> We need to be grounded in Scripture. How do, we, how do we do that? So go look back. Look back at 2 Corinthians 10.4. I want to take something else out of this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Look at this word arguments. So we're talking about this thing of thinking, right? Disciplining our mind. So you know what the word arguments means? It literally means this, thoughts, reasonings, imaginations, conclusions, opinions, and deliberations. Do you know all of that goes on in your mind? You have thoughts, you reason, you have imaginations, 
I've told you before, remember, I've talked to you before how that I would be in a service and imagine myself being in a fight with Pastor Howard back in the day. And then we would get in a fight out in the alley, and because he's way bigger than I am and stronger, I'd have to get my gun and shoot him. And now I'm on the run, and now I'm in Mexico running from the law because I'm not going to get caught and go to jail. So I end up in Mexico City, and I'm living on the street, and nobody's giving me any food because I can't speak Spanish. And I don't know how, all I could say is taco, but nobody knows how to give me any food. And all of this imagination is happening in the front row of the church while he's preaching. How many know we could come to conclusions in our mind? I, I, I came to a conclusion. They're mad at me. You know what? That church don't love me. They don't care about me. That preacher, I saw him. He looked at me. He, he looked at me strange. No, I, I just gas. We have opinions and we deliberate. How many have ever had a deliberation? You've had an argument. I have driven miles in this town arguing with myself. Sometimes I win and sometimes I lose. But I've had deliberations in my brain. And he says, cast down all of that. Then he says, casting down, what it means is to refute, to take down, to tear down, to destroy, to overpower. And then he tells us to bring every thought, every one of them, whether they're yours or they're someone else's, into captivity. In other words, literally hold it up to the standard of the Word. The reason the Word is so important, not only does it feed our soul, but it, be, it literally becomes the standard by which we measure everything. So when I have a thought, I take that thought and I go, nope, doesn't work. Cast it out. And we must learn this is all in the context of disciplining our mind, we must learn to resist the thinking that comes natural to us. And we must learn to replace stinking thinking with truth that will set us free. I was talking with Pastor Alex about this uh, this last week. We were talking about this sermon, and I was talking about this portion. See, what we have to do is we have to come to a place where we begin to acknowledge those thoughts as sin. And then we reject them and cast them out. See, the reason those thoughts gain power is because they're welcome. And we go, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because see what the devil does is the devil sows thought. He will sow a thought that has enough truth to make it taste good. I was telling the folks uh, in 8.30 that I love coffee. I love drinking coffee, but I hate the taste of coffee. So, well, how does that work? Co co See, people, I, my wife, my wife is a connoisseur of coffee. She goes, oh, this coffee's really good. You know, this blend over that blend and this blend. I'm like, it tastes like junk to me. I don't like it. So I have a little splash of coffee with my cream. So what happens is I put enough cream in the coffee so it tastes good. And let me tell you something, the devil will put enough cream in the thought to make it taste good. You'll go, that, well, that makes sense. Wow. Gosh, I, that, that really, man, that, holy cow, I guess those people don't like me. Whew, wow. That tastes right to me. Ooh, just like vanilla. Yeah just like it. And what we do is we welcome it and it tastes good and we meditate on it and we think on it. We say we don't know how to meditate, but we do. If you've spent any, if there's, don't raise your hand if you've done this, but if you've ever spent the night up thinking about how to pay a bill you can't pay, that's meditation. And if you have thought about all the consequences that are going to come as a result of not paying the bill, that's meditation. So what you do is you just change it. You know how to do it. You take a word, you take a scripture, you take something out of his word, and you think about what it will do for you and what will happen. What is the blessing coming from this scripture? And think about it. The problem is it is it is fun. It would be said that scripture 
This is hot off the press, man. I, this is good. This is God right here. It's an acquired taste. Because, <laughs> I know, I know God. It's silly, isn't it? But I, it's true. Scripture, Scripture is spiritually discerned. Some people don't read Scripture because they go, oh, man, I, I, I just don't have time to read Scripture. I just, I don't have time. Do you know why? Because Scripture is a living book. It's alive. And Scripture will get inside, and what will happen is it will bring a conflict. And that's what you don't have time for. Because Harry Potter, you can read that all day long. You can read The Hobbit and convince yourself, hey, J, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien was saved, so, hey, I'm reading close to the Bible. It's, you know, good old versus evil. Come on. <laughs> I know. I know. There's no conflict in it because it's not alive. And so what we do is, well, I don't got time for that. Or we say things like this, I don't understand it. Well, the reason you don't understand it is because you have not had enough time in it. And it takes time to get it. And so what happens is you have to feed your spirit. Whether you know it or not, when you read the Bible, your spirit is being fed, whether you sense it or not. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he tells us, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Look there. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of the earth. In other words, be focused upon God and Christ and eternal things. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the result is you will be transformed because your mind is being renewed. In the New King James Version of our text, it says, if, you, if then you were raised with Christ, Seek those things from above. That word seek is literally in the present tense. Therefore, it means that we do it every day. It's a continual action. The idea of seeking, we, we never give up seeking. We are always pressing in. And the result is we end up rearranging our lives to fit where He is, not where we are. And not only are we to seek those things which are above but we are to set our mind on things above. Our minds are to be focused on things that matter instead of the things of this earth. Are you hearing me? So I just, as we close today, I, I know I've spent most of my time, this, this literally could be a series within a series, but I want to just very quickly, I'm, I'm like, I, we're probably about three minutes out and we'll be done. But I want to mention a couple other things that this passage tells us. Now, we're to, we're to set our minds, we're to think on heavenly things and not earthly things. But then also, he tells us that what we're to do is we're to put to death sinful, earthly things lurking within us. Yeah. See, church, one of the only ways that you can really do that is by this idea of having a clear mind, of having a renewed mind. See, when our minds are not renewed, we cannot recognize. Because there are certain things that are obvious, big things, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't, none of that stuff. We get that. But then there are other things. You know there's a verse of Scripture that says this, whatever is not of faith is sin. And it says this, him to, knows who, to him that knows to do right and does it not, to him it's sin. And so, see, somewhere along the lines, you say, well, now you're talking about sin again. Are you talking about my nature? No. I'm talking about growth. I'm talking about how you walk out this righteousness. That what happens is that you walk in faith. I, you know, to be honest with you, faith is tough. It's a fight. Because we have to trust. We have to, we have to believe we have to act on what we believe. And we have to, you know, faith is, is seeing something in our future that only makes sense in the reverse. 
We love hindsight because it's 2020. We don't necessarily like foresight. And so what we have to do is that faith that's walking that out every day, going, God, I trust your word. You said you'll provide. The bill's coming due today at 5. They're shutting the electric off at 5 today. Well, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had to get in the fire before Jesus showed up. For Daniel, he was in the lion's den before the lion of Judah came into the lion's den and shut the mouths of the lions. There's other scriptures, other stories that tell us that victory preceded them. Sometimes it came after. We don't always understand the timing and the, the workings of God, but we understand that he's faithful and that he comes. And so what we have to do is we have to put to death those sinful things, those luxuries of of fear, luxuries of doubt and unbelief, the luxuries of sin. Then he goes on, he says, get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. In other words, clean up how you're actually responding to the world around you. He said, put on the new nature. Put it on. Man, I remember when Andy was really little. We used to always call Andy our clothes horse. Because Andy loved getting dressed up. He loved wearing a suit and tie and all. And I've got pictures. He's, he's really cute. And he always did it. And if we, ever got, if we ever got him new clothes, he would always, he'd put them on and he'd proudly display them in the kitchen. And that's what God said. Put on your new nature and walk with dignity. And then he says, be renewed. All of this brings us to a place where we're renewed to know who our creator is so that we could be like him. Does that make sense this morning? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for your goodness today. We thank you that you have seen fit to teach us truth. I pray today for every person that's in this room and everyone that's watching online. Father, I pray that this revelation, God, would get a hold of our hearts, God, that we would begin to apply it to our lives, God, that we would meditate on it, Lord, that we would spend that time thinking that through, God, that we would, in fact, put our minds on things in heaven and not on things in the earth. Lord, that we would discipline our minds, that we would reject what comes from the enemy, God, and that we would stand in your glory. God, and in your favor. And Father, I thank you, and I give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask if our prayer team would come right now, just up here. If you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let our prayer team minister to you. For the rest of you, we're going to let you go today. I want you to have a great, wonderful afternoon. Enjoy yourself. Next week, we're hoping to be on Romans 7. We'll see if God wants us to. God bless. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.